Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Our toll-free number is 800-529-5572. And you can also go to GaryNolan.com, send a message. It will pop up right here in the studio. I'm pleased to tell you that Garson is in from Graffs. And then Chuck Basie and Dale Roberts, I guess they're in from the cold. Uh, Chuck Basie, of course, former state legislator and a Second Amendment supporter. Dale Roberts is an attorney and specializes in gun laws. And I'm going to start with Dale because Uh-oh. I thought, well, Dale, you're an attorney. Uh, you probably should know something about this. I thought there was a thing in the Constitution called the Supremacy Clause. Am I right? Yes. Does that mean that when, for instance, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, makes a rule uh, or th- that that uh, states can't overrule it, override it? Uh, yes, that should that should be the way. Kind of in a nutshell, I've, I got that right. Yes. Now, what the hell's going on in Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. And as I was saying before the before we hit on the air, you know, the, the Hawaiian Supreme Court issued that order on Wednesday, in which they said the U.S. Supreme Court, when they issued the Heller decision, that was wrong. When the U.S. Supreme Court issued the decision in McDonald versus Chicago, well, that was wrong. And when the U.S. Supreme Court issued their order in New York Shooting Club versus Bruin, that was wrong. And based on the fact that the U.S. Supreme Court keeps getting it wrong, we, the Hawaiian Supreme Court, are issuing an order, an opinion, <laughs> saying that, uh, you know, the Second Amendment actually is a collective right that doesn't apply to individuals, just to the militia, the National Guard, folks like that. And based on Hawaiian law from before we became a state and things that happened under King Male- Kalehamea, whatever his name was, uh, you know, you have you have no Second Amendment rights, basically. <laughs> so, in other words, let's arm up the bad guys. Unbelievable. By the way, somebody give Chuck a hand. <laughs> hand is, well, never mind. I guess you'd have to see his hand. How's the, uh, how's the arm? You're huh? talking about me. Oh, sorry. I thought you said I, did Chuck. Did I say Chuck? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm at Dale. Yeah, I was confused there. Yeah, uh, sorry. So was I, apparently. It, it's, uh, it's doing okay. It's, uh, it's sore once in a while. I've learned to get by on most things, except I can't give my dog his daily medicated eye drops. He's figured out that since one hand is in a cast, he doesn't have to sit still for that. So, just bonk him on the head, and, and while, he's, <laughs> while he's out, give him his medicine. For those of you who don't know, uh, uh, he's he's had surgery here, and his his wing is wounded. They can't see that on the radio. No, they can't see that. Well, it's good that they can't see us on the radio. We'll we, we'd be in all kind of trouble. Uh, all right, so I I don't understand how they think this is going to stand. Exactly. It's, you know, it's just, it's incredible. I I mean, I started reading through this. Like, is this like National Lampoon? I mean, this can't be serious. And, of course, again, as we were saying before we came on the air, um, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court, for example, the courts don't actually have enforcement power. It's not like they send someone out in a uniform with a firearm and a badge to enforce what they've said. Um, and that goes back to, you know, Marbury versus Madison in 1803. So, you know, essentially someone will challenge this, get it into the federal courts. And if the, you know, I was trying to think through this, for example, if a federal court says, you know, Hawaii, you're wrong, how does that get enforced? And you think back to, you know, integration of the schools in the, 
what, early, mid-60s, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Bobby Kennedy, as the U.S. Attorney General, ordered the National Guard and other you know, law enforcement types to Arkansas, for example, I think, to enforce the, you know, the law. Yeah, but what if you have an anti-gun administration yeah. and attorney general, and they go, yeah, okay. Yeah, and exactly. You know, what sort of support will we get from, from Merrick Garland or the Biden White House or some of those folks in terms of enforcing a court order that says we have constitutional rights? Chuck, let me ask you, uh, as a legislator, and, and uh, I'm curious, don't you think that uh, Merrick Garland would look at the handwriting on the wall and go, oh, if we don't enforce this, then when the Republicans get a win, uh, or, you know, or we get a win, and, and the Republicans uh, don't enforce the law, uh, it's going to come around and bite us in the butt? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that uh, Garland would, would get that? You would think so, but he's got a history of uh, being kind of one-sided on a lot of issues. You know, you uh, just look back at what's happened the last couple of years and then even what happened the last few days with the uh, the special counsel on Biden's uh, classified records, you know. But, yeah, the Democrats are not happy with him, and the administration is not happy with him yeah. uh, over the release of that uh, that that <laughs> that uh, study, that investigation into Biden. Well, you know what? While we're thinking about that, let me go back to Dale here. Garson, I'll get to you in a minute, but I'm just curious. Uh, Dale, have you ever seen, you were a judge at one time, uh, where a prosecutor went, yeah, we got him dead to rights, but he's kind of a sympathetic figure, so we're not going to try him? Well, and we didn't hear criminal cases other than some white-collar crime, but the point remains, prosecutors... I was at a Federalist Society annual meeting at the Capitol, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And one of the guest speakers was the Boone County prosecuting attorney. And there have been some folks who have been upset because the Boone County prosecutor's office is not charging crimes as they should. And some in the law enforcement community would say. And the prosecutor explained that... You know, you cannot get a Boone County jury to convict on, you know, a drug crime or, you know, Boone County juries will never convict someone for assaulting a police officer and kind of went through this explanation and the list of things that Boone County juries just go. Yeah, that, that's OK. Um, and I, you know, I kind of see saw his point, but it's extraordinarily frustrating to think that, you know, law enforcement and, and uh you know, prosecutors are part of the criminal justice system. Have to sit back and go. I just can't get a conviction on that. Yeah, but you you don't just take a pass on it. You give it a shot. You'll well, the expression. I, I would I, think. I, I would hope, and and Boone County happens to be so overwhelmed with criminal cases. Using that as an example, I mean, I know they have to pick and choose, but at the federal level, that should never be. Uh, they should never come to that point where they're saying, yeah, we're just too busy. I mean, that's not an option. Speaking, speaking of this investigation, and I know we're getting a little bit off, off the beaten path here, but um, there is a, a satirical website um, that, that uh, Brian Hansen, my producer, and I often go to because they're just so incredibly <laughs> funny. And Brian uh, pointed out one th that uh, this morning that... 
I don't even yeah, know what this. Here's, here's the headline. <laughs> I thought I was reading uh, from the New York Times or something. <laughs> Man ruled too senile to stand trial. Still fine to run the country. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, the irony of that is that that it's true. I mean, it's not even it's not even satire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's, he, he can't remember when his son died. He doesn't know when he was president, vice president. He does. He's got absolutely no memory of any of this stuff. Yeah, just booked a meter on. Yes, uh, he's been well, speaking. To, I got to oh. defend him. One, and one, he, he's going to get uh, uh, a wall built in Gaza and have Mexico pay for it. <laughs> 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 he start. Is, are you starting to write for the B now? <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, and that's the way I felt really reading that that Supreme Court order from Hawaii. It, it was just so outrageous. It's like, oh, okay, is this you know Babylon B? Is this who, who National Lampoon? Come on, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to believe. Uh, Garson, we haven't forgotten about you. Oh, nay, nay, Perlene. Uh we have uh, actually. You sent me a story that. Um, uh, it, what was this uh, suck it up gun control uh, congresswoman's private security payment? Uh, would that Corey be a, Bush? about yeah, our, our little friend in St. Louis? About uh, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, so she gave her husband a bunch of money. Uh, he's not licensed as uh, for self, you know, for uh, uh, protection uh, purposes. But she gave him a bunch of money uh, to protect her because. Uh, Apparently, she's afraid the police won't won't do their job. Is that right? Uh, yeah, apparently, um, to the to the tune of over a million dollars, which sounds really nice. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. And I suppose he carries a gun. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. I mean, if you're supposed to be protecting a, you know, well, it, official, I think most of them are armed. She's security. a defund the police kind of person and a progressive Democrat. We're talking about Bush, Cory Bush. Uh, and she is willing to make an exception for her own safety. Am I right? Yeah. And, well, that's what I was trying to highlight is they all are. They all decry that they want us to be unarmed while they're walking around with security that we're paying for. Yeah. I can't afford that kind of security, so and, I have to carry my own security. And Missouri has laws regarding you know getting licensed as a security officer uh, armed but, security for sure you got to yeah. get a permit so for that. is that what he was i do not know oh. no i don't think he was uh, <laughs> he was not licensed but i think she was actually paying for this out of her campaign fund which makes it yeah. even stranger yeah wow it's amazing and, and i remember bloomberg um arrogantly telling people that he was being accosted on the street by a reporter who said, you've got armed security, I can't afford that. And his answer, his response was, well, I'm, you know, a public figure and worth a lot of money, so I need security, you don't. <laughs> like, oh, really? Um, I, I think that's how uh, Cori Bush feels exactly the same way. Yeah, I'm important she, and you're she's not. She's very important and uh, her, her constituents can't survive without her um, excellent leadership. One of the squads, she's being primaried in Missouri, uh, and uh, it looks to me like uh, the Democrats want her out. Who can blame them? Up against the clock, got to take a quick break. You're listening to Carry On Gum. Welcome, glad to have you with us. 
There is a, a, a case, and I talked about this in the weekday show, out of Michigan. Uh, Jennifer Crumbly and her husband have been charged, and she's been found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Apparently, uh, her son, Ethan, shot four students and killed them at uh, Oxford High School in 2021. We probably, uh, most of you probably remember the case. But um, what's uh, peculiar here is that she is being charged for a crime her son committed. Uh, admittedly, she's a lousy parent. But I, I, I'm a little troubled by all of this. They bought him a gun, uh, and he'd made some pretty ugly drawings, and uh, the school said, you know, something, something's up here. Come and get him. And uh, the, the parents said, well, we can't get him, but we'll take him home. And, they, and the school said, well, you can't leave him home alone. That's, that's even worse. So they left him at the school, and he started shooting people. Um, I don't know. Uh, Garson, does it make sense to charge this kid, the, the parents, for this kid's actions? For involuntary manslaughter, I don't know. I mean, I think they should be held accountable for some part of this, but not not the way this was done. I mean, their actions after the shooting were pretty suspicious when they hightailed it out of town and went and hid. Yeah. Um, that was weird. Um, but, I, you know, if they're going to charge the parents, I, I seem to remember there being something about him being forced to submit to an inspection every day before he was released into the school. Um, well... So I thought he was already, you know, being monitored. So does that mean that the school needs to be sued as well because they failed to find this gun if he was supposed to be, you know, searched before entering the school every day? I I, I think the parents need to be punished, but the way this has been done, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Chuck, uh, Chuck it, it bothers me, and I think there are civil uh, responses, uh, but not criminal. Right, right. right. Wrongful deaths lawsuit or something like that um you know i what, what would be different if i um bought years ago bought my kid a car and uh even though he might have been having trouble in some regard and uh later he maybe goes downtown and plows into a group of people waiting across the street that would be the same they could charge me with with the crime he committed i i don't i, I disagree with uh, going after that lady and uh, the way they did yeah, I think that was terrible precedent to set. Dale, let's take uh, let's take Chuck's uh, analogy and add to it. Suppose he had drawings of driving that vehicle that you know Chuck bought his his child uh, into a crowd of people and blood everywhere, and someone stopped me. Would that make him as guilty as the mother of this this young man in uh, Michigan? Well. I mean, there are already laws that hold parents responsible for what their child does behind the wheel. Um, I, I think, as I understand it, I was trying to track down the statute, but parents sign for their kids to get like a learner's permit for starters. And when they sign that, there's a provision that they may not read that says, you know, if your kid does something, you're responsible for it. And the, the weird thing about this is, is there's so many laws, uh, civil and some criminal, that hold parents responsible for what their kids do. But 
it's never happened like this, like it did in this case, which which is worrisome. Um, but you know, the standard for involuntary manslaughter is that you know you didn't mean to do it. It's without any malice or or premeditation, but nevertheless based on either gross negligence or just willful ignorance, like I'm just going to look the other way, um, your actions led to the the death. And, you know, what the court basically said was there were so, and there were, there were so, oh. so many signs that this kid had problems and so many signs that mom was completely not only ignoring it, but she would refuse to talk to him. And, and the parents would leave him home alone for a day or two at a time. Uh, at, at, for a day or two at a time when he was texting them saying the house is possessed and things are flying off the shelf. So the parents can't say they didn't know he had problems. But you know, it it does. Well, they could say they didn't believe that it was going to come to this. You know, I thought it was just sure. a phase he was going through. Uh, and it, you said that uh, there are some cases where the parents can be held criminally responsible for their children's behavior. I would think that would be limited to uh, parent teaching the kid to pick pockets or to to rob banks or something, and and they all get caught. Uh, I, I can't think of a case similar to this one anywhere that I've ever read. Can you? Can you? Did, well, I mean, this is a first, but so, for example, um, parents who provide alcohol to a minor, to their minor child, um, and the child does something that, you know, the parents can be held both civilly and criminally liable for what happens. And in this case, they didn't give him alcohol, they gave him a gun. And so... Like I said, it's it makes me uneasy, and you know this is going to lead to just a, a raft of of lawsuits against uh, parents and maybe gun dealers um, based on things that where someone's going to try and argue that was foreseeable. In, in the case of the Crumbleys, this, this family, I think it was somewhat foreseeable. I mean, he was drawing pictures of shooting someone and blood everywhere and all that kind of and saying uh you know life has no meaning and i want to die and he wrote in his journal that he was going to kill people at school so it's kind of hard to say that that wasn't foreseeable um but that doesn't mean you know people will try and bootstrap from this into every other gun offense and go see now we can sue them like no you can't this was an extraordinary case and even and even this one, obviously, we're all wrestling with, was it the appropriate remedy? Yeah, I I tend to think it was not. Uh, we'll come back and uh, chat about this. We got show and tell coming up. All kinds of great things on Gary on Gun. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you can't listen at work, quit um, because uh, the show is just too important to miss. Uh, Garson is in from Graphs in Mexico, Missouri. Uh, they sell worldwide. Uh, they are the uh, reloading experts. Uh, they also sell firearms, uh, just everything you can think of. Uh, pistols, rifles, shotguns, uh, they, you name it, they've got it. they pretty much the all-in-one place to go for a Second Amendment supporter. Uh, Chuck Basie is with us. He is a, a former state representative and a solid Second Amendment supporter. Dale Roberts, of course, is an attorney who specializes 
uh, in firearms laws. It's mogunlaw.com uh, if you want to reach out to him. Uh, you can go to uh, GaryNolan.com, send me a message. It will pop up right here in studio. We're talking about uh, Jennifer Crumbly, who was found guilty of uh, manslaughter because apparently uh, when her son uh, shot a bunch of uh, fellow students, she didn't do anything to prevent it. Uh, and they're saying that, that she should have. What is the burden of proof there, Dale? You're the attorney. If you're a prosecutor and you want to prove that she's responsible, can you come up with anything but a subjective uh, argument? Well, I mean, excuse me, the burden of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, beyond a reasonable doubt, she was either she either committed gross negligence or she just willful ignorance she refused to she just looked the other way um you know the the question of the jury is did she willfully ignore signs that he was a danger to the public and you know up to the morning of the shooting when she was called in she and her husband when they were called into the school and saw this picture his math quiz on which he had drawn a picture of of a stick figure, presumably him, shooting a gun and a bloody figure and blood and words about people dying and all that stuff. And the weird thing is it says when, you know, the parents were called to school, they walk in the principal's office, they didn't talk to their son. They didn't touch him, hug him. They didn't acknowledge he was there. She was like, I have to get back to work. My husband has to get back to work. Um, you know, the the principal said, you know, we're worried. This, you know, this is worrisome situation and the parents were like yeah we don't have time for this you know maybe we'll get him to a doctor tomorrow or whatever and left him there and again didn't say goodbye to, not that it's i guess the prosecutor uses this as evidence of their you know willful neglect that that you know they wouldn't even on the day of the event when this kind of came to a head they wouldn't even acknowledge their son talk to him tell him to behave they're like yeah we got to get back to work well actually in all honesty, I don't think she had to get back to work. I think she had to get back to her lover. She was cheating on her that, husband. Right. And there, I mean, there was testimony that she went back to work and talked to some people about what was going on. But there's also plenty of evidence in the case about, you know, when when the kid was texting his mom saying stuff is flying off the ha- off the shelf, the house is possessed. I need to see a doctor. And then the evidence says, like two days later, when she came home, so. Evidently, this kid was left at home alone for a day or two at a time was not unusual. And, yeah, she had uh, a lover, and she was busy with a horse, with horses at some friend's farm or something. She's not a very sympathetic uh, (laughs) uh, client here. I I would, uh, I still, I I just don't think that, that this makes sense. I think you hold her civilly, not criminally responsible. Uh, and I think this is going to open up the door to all kinds of other uh, problems for uh, uh, families all over the place. I mean, what if uh, you know? What if Chuck had given his uh, kid a gun and and believed that his kid would never do anything like that, even though the kid? I mean, it's it's just it's ridiculous uh, what could happen here. Yeah. Let me go. Uh, let me go grab a phone call here and uh, get Chris on the line. Chris, good morning. I'm going to mostly agree with you. Uh, charge her with, I don't know, child neglect, contributing to delinquency of a minor, accessory to murder, whatever. 
but it's just like if her kid went out and killed somebody with a car, can you charge her with manslaughter? I don't think it's right. You know, she's a, <laughs> she's a POS, you know, she's got a lot of problems, but I got another question. As I remember in this story, the day all this went on, the kid's got the gun in his backpack. Did it ever occur the school seemed to be so concerned with his behavior? Should they have searched him? Should they have kicked him out of school? Should they have had the cops come hauling down to mental health something? But it doesn't seem like they really took it too serious either. You know, I'm thinking if he's doing all this and I'm that concerned, I'm going to say, well, go go search his locker and search his backpack and check him out. But they're like, eh, sit here in a chair and wait. Dale, didn't you say they did search him? No, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they did not search him. And in the case, and I, I wish they provided more information, uh, it says the school didn't have the authority to kick him out. So I don't know what the law is in Minnesota, Michigan, wherever this well, was. Yeah, they, they all have this. They want to mainstream everybody. It's about 99% of the problems in schools. We're keeping all the problems in the school because somehow we're going to traumatize them if we send them home. It's it's a messed up deal, but I just thought, you know, they need to take it a little more serious, too. But, yeah, the parents are really jacked up, too. It's It's a mess. It is indeed. All right, Chris, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Um, We've got show and tell, by the way, and I'm looking at some of these firearms, and I can't wait to get to show and tell. Gun rights groups um, are really upset with what the Treasury has been doing. Uh, Janet Yellen was being grilled on Capitol Hill over this. Uh, the uh, story is that uh, National Gun Broker says a gun rights group representing over 2 million members and activists are urging senators, uh, or have been grilling, uh, and they did, uh, to grill Treasury uh, Secretary Yellen on alleged privacy violations committed by her department. Apparently, this all stems around this riot uh, on, uh, on Capitol Hill when uh, President Trump gave that speech and everybody went up to the Capitol and some people uh, forced their way in. And they were trying to make connections and wanted banks to report anybody who somehow had Trump or uh, what was the name of the, which What was the retailer, uh, Garson? Do you remember the retailer that was also on the list? Dick's one of the Morning Good, wasn't it? Dick's? Yeah, something like that. Uh, it's it's baffling to me how they would get some of this information or make the connection or even have the authority to do this. It, it immediately reminded me of when Barack Obama was president and the IRS was targeting any tax return that was associated with the Tea Party and the applicant. You remember that? Yes. That, you know, when they they basically had an enemies list. And it sounds like it's happening again. They're going after Trump, MAGA, uh, Biden, Kamala, Antifa, White Power, Camp, Auschwitz. Uh, these, these institutions were told to look for transactions. Who on earth, who on earth would have that on a transaction to begin with? Uh, you know, it, uh, anybody that would put Camp Auschwitz or White Power is an idiot. Uh, just for, you know, believing in, in racism. So, but but who would put it on their, you know, would that be on their credit card? What? So if I form the Trump Tea Party MAGA Antifa PAC, 
You think that's a red flag? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. This is the problem, and this goes to my weekday program as a libertarian, uh, to having uh, the Federal Reserve and the banking system that we do, that they would have the kind of power to, to look at everybody. And, and I don't, again, I don't understand how they would find out. I don't, where would that be on a credit card receipt, Carson? You, you guys sell firearms. Where would you find something like that on a credit card receipt? How would a I, bank I don't know? know. Um, and when I look at my transaction histories, it really doesn't say anything like that. It'll it'll like kind of list the business, but that's about it. I so I don't know where that data would be coming from. They're looking for transactions with terms like Trump and MAGA. As well as Biden, Kamala, Antifa, White Power, Camp Auschwitz, Proud B, yeah. Storm the Capitol, uh, Groiper Army, Threepers, Boogaloo, Civil War, Last Sons, Kill, Shoot, Gun, Death, Murder, Biden, Kamala, Pelosi, Schumer, and Pence. And evidently these were all, I guess, purchases from Cabela's and Dick's Sporting Goods. And a company called 5091, I've never heard of that. Well, none of us should be shopping there anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I agree. They're not locally owned, and we'd rather well, shop Dick's, at Well, Dick's went and, pretty anti-gun there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I Dick's went anti-gun. Didn't they remove all guns? Yeah, they removed all firearms and firearms Because I, I remember a local gun store that advertised, we still have AR-15s because we're not Dick's. <laughs> <laughs> Sporting goods. Yeah, there's a joke about why lesbians don't buy from them, but never, nevertheless, <clears throat> we'll move, <laughs> we'll move on. But yeah, this, again, I mean, this is just incredible that this could happen. I, I think they would actually have to have access to the complete receipt to see. But even that if they had information, yeah. but Gar, even if they had the complete receipt, who would put that on a receipt? Why would you? Even if you believed in any of that, why would you put it on a receipt? Yeah, but I mean, if you're selling MAGA hats, how else are you going to describe that hat in an inventory system? I, I mean, I can see, yeah, I've had receipts that say, you know, that give some detail about what I'm buying. You know, eggs, milk, Triscuits, whatever, or, uh, you know, what kind of ammunition you purchased. But again, how they get a hold of those receipts... Well, what do your receipts from the old Dunn look like? <laughs> uh, they say eggs, triscuits, and milk. That's what um, but how they get a hold of those receipts and why they would be pouring through that data and, and the, the manpower, person power it takes to go through that um, to find people, Americans, whom they seem to consider, and it says in quotes, the enemy, um, is just yeah, frightening. It's it is frightening. All right, coming up, uh, we'll talk about the uh, saga of Gabriel Metcalf. And uh, we'll also talk about Donald Trump, who just recently spoke in front of the NRA. And got a rousing response. I'm baffled by that. I'll explain next on Gary on Gun. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. 800-529-5572. And you can also get us by going to GaryNolan.com. Send me a message. It'll pop up right here in studio. Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. We also have uh, Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com, an attorney that uh, specializes in firearms, and a former uh, state legislator and Second Amendment supporter, 
Chuck Basie. The uh, president uh, spoke to the NRA and got a rousing response. And to tell you the truth, I'm a little baffled by that. And, Me and too. The, uh, huh? Me too. Here's a guy who pushed for bump stock ban, got it, uh, definitely anti-Second Amendment. There, there is no... There's no way you can rationalize that he's you know, that that was the right move to make, and yet they welcomed him with open arms. I guess there's something to be said for the lesser of two evils, but I, I mean, not from, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm speechless at everything anymore. Well, it doesn't, you know, it, it, if if there's no. Nobody whose hat is in the ring that uh, supports the Second Amendment, then they shouldn't endorse anybody. And and they certainly um, shouldn't be thrilled to have a guy come in and speak to them and, and tell them what a Second Amendment supporter he is and why they should support him when he managed to ban the bump stock. Do you, do you think part of this is the NRA's effort to to try and remain relevant, given, yeah, I mean, they have lost members like crazy. Yeah, oh, they're, definitely. They're on the ropes in litigation. Uh, you know, as we said on this show a couple of shows ago, uh, Green Valley Rifle Pistol Club, which for decades has been a club where you couldn't belong unless you were an NRA member, recently voted that we're no longer going to be an NRA club. You can be a member of the Second Amendment Foundation and belong here. So, I mean, I wonder if the NRA, if you know, hosting President Trump and doing all this is just part of the NRA's attempt to try and remain relevant. I don't know, but I do know that uh, the point you make is valid. I guess their uh, their their funding is way down, uh, and you know, I don't care if you're a, a lifetime member or an annual member, uh, you just can't get enough of those hats <laughs> and, and knives and flashlights. Uh, I, I get two or three pieces of mail from them every week, wanting money yep. or uh, you know enhance my membership or whatever it might be. Yeah, and and cheap promotional garbage from China does not right. entice me to donate to them anyway. And, and you know when the Second Amendment Foundation filed the loss, got the case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court of Heller versus the District of Columbia, which was the Second Amendment case. Um, NRA tried to stop it, and Alan Gurra, the guy who argued is a good friend of mine, has been to Columbia many times to teach firearms law with me. Alan told me, you know, NRA did not want us to do that, and when they couldn't stop us, then they filed with the court and got half of our argument time, of our oral argument time, because then they wanted to be in on it. So I've, you know, it, yeah, I've lost respect for the NRA. Do you, do you think that without Wayne LaPierre, uh, that uh, they might... Well, you know, I, I just I shot my own argument down thinking that they welcomed Donald Trump uh, when he is, uh, you know, proven to be a gun control uh, uh, advocate. But I was thinking maybe, you know, without Wayne LaPierre, they, they get a little closer to, um, you know, some of the other gun rights organizations. Uh, I think they need to bring back Charlton Heston, but... That'd be hard. Well, well not for not for not for the president. He could have a conversation with him at any time. 
Yeah. He has that ability. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. Dead doesn't make a difference. He had a conversation. Um, yeah, I, so I'm kind of baffled by that whole thing. I, I just don't understand how they they could be so thrilled. And um, you know, there are there are other candidates that are Republicans that are pro Second Amendment. They could endorse them, have them come and speak. Uh, but I would have, if, if it were up to me, if I were the head of the NRA, I would have told him, no, nah, not after the bump stock fiasco. I, I just I would have rejected him. <sighs> I'm going to get nasty letters on this. I promise you nasty emails are going to come in saying that I'm, you know, anti-Trump and you hate Trump and you're a never-Trumper. I think uh, Brian made you say it. You know, I, I hadn't thought about that. I could blame Brian for that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we've got a couple more things here that we we need to cover uh, in the ensuing hour, and that includes uh, show and tell, uh, a whole host of uh, really neat firearms that uh, Garson brought in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. Also, uh, a story at Reason Magazine, based on loose reasoning, a federal judge rejects a challenge to the Gun-Free School Zones Act. And uh, we'll go into this in greater detail in the next hour. Gabriel Metcalf uh, lives across the street from a, an elementary school in Montana. Last August, he was observed pacing his front yard while holding a rifle. A precaution, he said, was provoked by threats from a neighbor against whom his mother had obtained a protection order. Well, apparently, he stepped off the, you know, out of the yard and onto the sidewalk. And the feds, the feds went after him. Since the Gun-Free School Zones Act makes an exception for guns on private property, as long as he stayed behind the fence, he was okay. We'll get to that story in the next hour on Gary on Guns.